Mel Back. What? Sydney Comedy Store. Really? Yeah. Well, it's changed hands. Here we go. <laughs> very professional. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to the Gentlemen's Dojo. Dojo. To my left, as always. Yeah. Feels like I just saw you. I can't believe it's been a week already. Yeah. Great acting. Uh, I believe so you never bad. got a callback. My acting so bad, I just got a sitcom offer on TBS. Okay. <laughs> to my left, from Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Gary Cannon. Uh, to my right from Pittsburgh, PA, Steve Byrne, everybody. Love that guy. Wow. Um, and then Joel Osborne still with us from Australia. Great Been comedian. us over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. And literally one of the best. Yeah, so in we studio had him today. as a guest. Then we talked with him as a co-host. He brought uh -huh. us the amazing Jonathan. And now we have a fourth person in studio. But so this is our guest today, yes. our special guest. Yes. This guy literally. Done it all. Like, respected young comics, uh -huh. vets, all comics love this dude because not only is he goddamn hilarious, but like one of the nicest dudes and like such a chill guy. <laughs> and looking good, looking like 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 triathlete today. I don't know what's going on here, but yeah. Mr. Ta Rhodes, everybody. Woo. Owie. Who How also, Stephen, has a show right here on the ATC Network. That's right. I He's do. He's part of our family. Tom Rhodes Radio Smart Camp. There you go. But you don't do it here at the studio here in LA. Uh, no, you know, I didn't live anywhere for 10 years. Yeah. So um, mostly it was interviewing people all over the world, comedians around the world as I traveled. Um, but yeah, I do it wherever I'm at. Once a week. Once a week, yeah. Yeah, there you go. I just, um, uh, yeah, I just had Mark Marin. Um... I did uh, Steve Wozniak. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. And then I did Kim.com two years ago when I was in New Zealand. He's on the FBI Most Wanted list. Oh. For uh, MegaUpload.com. Remember that? All those movies were... Oh, he's like yeah. a Bond villain. Very interesting <laughs> guy. And he's not allowed to leave New Zealand. Right. Yeah. He's like German and Finnish. Guy's like seven foot three. You know? Well, listen. We don't want to brag. I know you're yeah. hitting these big names. But a couple weeks ago, we had <laughs> Owen Benjamin. So you take that shit, <laughs> and we I also had, had Joel Osborne. <laughs> I mean, we get these names that you probably can't get. I, I had a great moment with uh, Owen last night. Uh, I, w I was at the improv. The guy that went on before me, man, blew the light by like 20 minutes. Yeah. Wow. And I don't know, it seems like a uh, thing, um, you know, you just introduced me as a nice guy, so I shouldn't complain about it. Uh, <laughs> no, we're all still comics, the, though. The, the lack, Fuck that guy! <laughs> the, the lack of respect some of these younger guys have for the light. Yeah. The guy did like 20 minutes over, and then like, uh, I'm at the end of my set, and the light came on, and then I had started a bit, and then I, I saw the light, and I go, oh, I gotta wrap this up, I got the light. And then some woman in the front goes, no, 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 tell us. And I go... Yeah, well, everybody, no one else here cares about the light. Why should I? And then Owen, I hear him on the side go, I'm here. <laughs> oh, okay, thanks, Owen. No. But I love, you, Owen's fantastic. So, And, and uh, my respect for him made me wrap it up. <laughs> you, you, have, you traveled, though. You, you're like not just a com. You started in San Fran, correct? No, I we started, started in Orlando. I grew in up, Orlando? I grew up in Orlando. But uh, why do why are you like synonymous? Uh, maybe because it's why well, uh, San Francisco is where I got good and where I um, gained um, television notoriety. I was I lived there for seven years in the nineties. Okay, yeah, yeah. You got your legs in San Fran. That's where I got hot. And then you were in New comedian. York for a while too, right? I've lived in New York twice. Yeah, but you you you're like international though. You've you've lived everywhere, and like you said, you live you had like a storage unit. 
for 10 years and you hop where where are all the places you exactly you did live I lived in I lived in New York City when I was 20 worst year of my life uh, then I moved in San Francisco when I was 22 lived there for seven years then I got the sitcom on NBC lived in uh, LA for two years that didn't work out then I went back to New York City for two years and then I, I the money I had from the sitcom I looked at as my NBC artist grant Right. So I started making systematic trips to London, and uh, Greg Proops and Rich Hall are two of my oldest best friends. They were yeah. so. Was it with the there. intent they, of doing stand up over there? Too, I or went just over to visit? there. No, no, no. I went there to do stand up to, sta- to, okay. to get in, and um, and you know they, they kind of coached me. You don't go to the best clubs first. Right. You go to the peripheral clubs and you get your sea legs. Mm-hmm. You find out what references work and what doesn't work. And then you mm-hmm. get your confidence there like you would anywhere. And then you go to uh, the comedy store in London and, mm-hmm. and wherever. So once I got it, once I cracked London, I started going there uh, semi frequently. And then that led to gigs all over Europe, gigs in Australia, um, you all over huge, Asia. You were huge in Amsterdam. You were like the letterman of Amsterdam. And then I, I ended up moving to Amsterdam because I fell in love with a Dutch girl, and that relationship didn't work out. But um, these people from this Dutch television network uh, were looking for an American to host a late-night talk show. And they saw me at this comedy club in Amsterdam called Tumler. And they said, that's our guy. So wow. I was on television for three years yeah, yeah. in Amsterdam. And it was great. So, um, you know, uh, I was, it was like being famous in Vermont. You know, it's a small country. <laughs> uh, but there's nothing wrong with Vermont. It's yeah, a great of course. place. I, I loved it. I love Holland. What kind of guests did you have on there? Uh, we had some Americans. We had um, uh, Tenacious D., I gave them a tour of Amsterdam. That's on YouTube. I had Steve O from Jackass on. Yeah. Uh, that I had on YouTube, but they made me take it down for um, the nudity because <laughs> there's no censorship on Dutch television. You can show anything, you can say anything. Right. The only censorship on Dutch television is you cannot endorse products. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could say I like beer. I couldn't say I liked Heineken. That's endorsing a specific mm. brand. Right. So. Steve-O can't believe there's no censorship on Dutch television. So he comes out smoking a joint. Amsterdam, really, man? (laughs) There's no censorship on Dutch television? I'm like, yeah. So he whips down his pants. You ever notice dudes who pull their dicks out in public always have the weirdest little fucked up dick? (laughs) (laughs) It's never a dude with a pretty dick that whips it out. So he's got some weird little slimy fucked up looking dick, and it was bent. And then he asked for a stapler, and then he spread his nutsack across his thigh, Yeah. and then he stapled his ball sack to his leg. And Dutch television, they got a close-up of it. No, right. And you can see the blood spurt and oh. the, little, the little metal prong holding his nasty nutsack to his thigh. Gary, keep in mind, you've never had a TV set. That's why so I don't put my pants nuts. down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a pretty one. So that was, uh, yeah, so uh, that was the Steve-O incident. Uh, but then there was a lot of Dutch uh, celebrities. And then everyone would be explained to me, like, this is the Pamela Anderson of Holland. This is the Howard Stern of Holland. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it was like a little miniature dollhouse version of American show business. I remember seeing Dave Attell came out and did an episode of Insomniac. Over yeah, there. yeah, that and was really you, awesome. You, you took him out on the town and yeah. showed him all the bars, all the sites. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool because uh, Dave Attell is, you know, one of my oldest friends, and <clears throat> I knew he was coming to film. In Amsterdam, and I was like, "Hey, man, you know, whenever you're done filming, uh, well, you know, let me know. We'll get together." And he's like, "No, bro, 
uh, you're on this. I want you to show me around. I'm a, so genius concept he had for coming to Amsterdam. He was going to experience the seven deadly sins. And I was envy. So he comes to my television. He came to a taping and they, they filmed me doing my show. And then I take him out. I actually took him out uh, two uh, consecutive evenings. But the way they cut it together, it looked like it was one night. So I took him to all the hottest clubs in, mm-hmm. in Amsterdam. And, and granted, there were a lot of women talking to me. But the way they cut it together, I look like Elvis Presley. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then they would cut to him, and he's on the side shrugging like, meh, meh, meh. <laughs> you know, no one's talking to me. I mean, Attell's a, a, a comedic genius, and uh, and I thought that was that was really brilliant. And, you know, um, he didn't have to put me on that show. It was, it was really great that he did that. Yeah. He's a good guy. And like when I started in New York, he was the guy. He still is. Still probably. is the guy. Yeah. yeah, he still is. I mean, I'm a, I, it's been years since I've been there, but everybody always was like, that's the gold standard in terms of what you'll see on a stage on any given night in New York City was Dave Attell. I remember I was living there in 98, 99, and it was the first time this had happened. It's happened several times since then. But the country was aghast. It had happened in New Jersey. Some high school girl had given birth and thrown her baby in a dumpster and her and her boyfriend went to the prom that evening. I remember this. Remember story. that? Yeah. And it was just like, oh my God, nothing more horrific uh, could enter the, the human brain. And Attell goes on the next night and he goes, I don't know why everybody's upset about this. You can have a baby anytime. But there's only one prom. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget, like I was I was always at the cellar and I always had the late night spots, whatever. And you know, when you're young and you you know, you have all the vets or whatever, you're just like, oh God, I don't want to perform in front of this guy and Attell's in the stairwell waiting to go on and I'm just like, oh fuck, I was doing this awful bit or whatever at the time. I thought it was all, and I come off and it tells like, hey, it's a pretty good bit. And I was just like, oh, it just made you feel like sky high yeah. for the next month. Like, oh, maybe I do belong here. I don't know. I'll, I'll learn. I'm still young. But it was like to get that nod from a guy like him is just unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely. And by the way, how do you get the show backing up a little bit? How do you get Mr. Rhodes? Like, how does that happen? How did that come together? Because talent, again, we, Gary. We, we... <laughs> two people with sitcoms um, here that, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, a lot of you younger kids uh, won't recall. Uh, when Comedy Central first came on, the first few years, I was like the face of the network. Uh, I had long hair and I was all skinny and sexy. And uh, I filmed all these different uh, interstitials. My jokes were filmed like rock videos that they played between the commercials. And then I started to do everything for them. I covered the Super Bowl, the Dream Team. And then uh, I had the first development deal in Comedy Central's history. And uh, that led to me doing a special called Viva Vietnam, where I went to Vietnam because my father flew helicopters there and was shot down in the war. He survived. But uh, so Bill Clinton lifted the travel ban on Vietnam the way Obama just did for Cuba. And we went there in September 94. I guess it's also when Comedy Central had money. Yeah, well, and then, uh, (laughs) no, no, they were really, they were a young network then. Yeah. So it came on in April 95 to coincide with the 20th anniversary of the end of the war. And that kind of was, got me some nice critical write-ups. And then in July of 95, I did the Montreal Comedy Festival. And I was kind of the bell of the ball, and I got uh, a deal with NBC. And then the next year, the sitcom came on. Did you like doing the show? Was it a lot of pressure? Did you feel the pressure every week? 
yeah, I mean, I was really excited about it. I thought, um, yeah, at the beginning, I mean, you know, I think Steve might, I think you you could relate to this. I mean, I kind of felt like the you feel like the quarterback of the team. Yeah, when you're it's your show. And you know, and 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 uh, Steve was nice enough to put me on his show. Just a great atmosphere uh, around uh, around Sullivan and Son and all everybody who worked on it. I I really there was a nice feeling with the cast. We had a great cast, but then it's just it kind of became a kids show, like episode three or four, and and then uh, the the writing really went into the toilet. They the first season you can't do five holiday shows you know we did a, a valentine show a halloween show a thanksgiving show and i played as a school teacher and we did a christmas episode where i took my students on a skiing trip because you know everybody goes on a skiing trip with their <laughs> english teacher at christmas <laughs> so um you know uh I, I, the the cast was brilliant steven tobolowski uh, uh, Jensen Ackles, who's a massive star now, uh, Lindsay Sloan, Ron Glass, Sean Weiss. I mean, a, a, a cast that killer, I think, that the writers have to take uh, a large brunt of that uh, failure. But mm-hmm. um, that's not the way things work. Uh, I had to walk around with the stench of that not working out. There was the what was what subject did Ron Glass teach? What was his? He, uh, you know, he was like the history teacher. I remember one of my favorite, and I remember this clear as day because I used to watch the show. I remember Ron Glass came up to you first day of school, and he's like, uh, "Hi, I'm Ron, uh, history teacher." And your your reply was, "Don't worry, you'll find something." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll find something better. Yeah. Like that. I Ron Glass was that. one of one of the nicest people. I'm still friends with him to this day. Uh, I'm still friends with Tobolowski. The friendships I made from that experience are are invaluable. That I'm still friends with a lot of these people. But it was funny. Uh, he was like the guy that I was the closest with while we were doing it. And then on the television show, he was my nemesis. Oh, yeah. He's my, the guy where it was, so it was almost like that uh, Looney Tunes cartoon where the, 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 the sheepdog and the, the, the wolf, you know, they're, they're having lunch together. Yeah. They clock in. <laughs> they go back to fighting. How does it feel to, to go from, you know, being so huge in Europe and then coming back to the States, did you feel like you missed a beat at I, all or were you just right back in the swing of things? No, I had to come back and get in the back of the line. Yeah. Um, oh, really? You felt like that? Well, I, you know, there's clubs all over America that, I mean, I would still come back and do the stand-up. I never mm-hmm. stopped doing the stand-up. Um, that show, you know, it was like every other week I had off. Yeah. So I'd fly back to the States and I'd do San Francisco Punchline, Minneapolis Acme, the Atlanta Punchline, all my Chicago Zanies. Yeah. And uh, I didn't want my American comedy muscle to get flabby. So I still had... Sorry, Gary. I, I, I still... Uh, you, you know, th- that stuff around the, the States, I, I still maintained. But as far as like Los Angeles and stuff goes, I mean, yeah, I had to come back here and get in the back of the line. What does, because you and I both spent time in, in New York, what does, when I say New York City to you, what does that mean to you as a comedian? Ah, uh, well, you know, <laughs> I moved there when I was 20 years old and- Because uh, you went back and forth, so I, I'm wondering what- Well, I, I, yeah, I've always gone to New York mm-hmm. and uh, I, I feel you have to go there a couple times a year, or at least once a year. Um, 
I lived there when I was 20 like a dog. I wasn't good enough as a comedian, and I couldn't get on at the main clubs. Mm -hmm. And I lived in Washington Heights. Uh, this is 1989 as crack was coming to the neighborhood. In the neighborhood I lived in, there'd be gunshots at night, and in Cabrini Avenue where I lived, in the morning there'd be burned-out smoldering cars, like people that would steal cars would drive them way up to the top of Manhattan right. and set them on fire. So... Uh, I always so swore if I ever had any money, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I always swore if I ever had any money, I'd live in New York City with style. Right. So when the sitcom finished, I moved back to New York City and I got a rock star apartment in the Wall Street area, and uh, and I, I was I was I was partying pretty hard. Yeah. And uh, Mitch Hedberg was one of my best friends. He was living at the Chelsea Hotel. Uh, we were doing a lot of cocaine together. David Tell was one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. He was taking me out to like you know the craziest dive bar, uh, watering holes that never closed. We'd be leaving when the sun was coming up. And I lived in the Wall Street area, so I'd be out partying all night. I'm coming home at like six, seven in the morning. They're all going you know, to work. trying to get in before the sun comes up. And there's all these guys in suits hustling around. You know, and so from. New York City, I moved to Amsterdam, and, you know, the story I always tell people is I was partying so hard when I lived in New York, I actually moved to Amsterdam to bring it down enough. <laughs> <laughs> Sober up. <laughs> Which is actually pretty true. Yeah. That's crazy. And what about San Fran? What does San Fran mean to you as a comedian? I think San Francisco is the Jerusalem of stand-up comedy. I think the art form we know as stand-up comedy... Uh, was originated in San Francisco with Mark Twain. Mark Twain mm. did speaking lectures, and they were always humorous, mm -hmm. and he honed his craft. He would, uh, you know, uh, polish the jokes, drop lines that didn't work, and uh, and I, I, I think uh, it's, a, it's a holy city as far as stand-up comedy goes. Because, uh, yeah, it's like you wonder, you know, for years, I'm sure you've heard too, when are they going to have like a... a a stand-up comedy hall of fame and it's like where would it go and i i think maybe i would think san fran or new york well, i think i think montreal has like uh that concept and then also there's a stand-up museum in london which is also just a concept mm -hmm. but for me i moved i didn't want a sitcom so it's funny that i ended up getting one i i just wanted to be the greatest stand-up comedian alive mm -hmm. so i moved to san francisco i always thought a higher intelligence of comedy came out of there and when I was there, man, uh, you know, it was Greg Proops, Mark Marin, Margaret Cho, Pat Oswalt, uh, just all the the just top of the game. Uh, Hedberg came around later. Uh, Dana Gould, you know, just the the, the top of yeah. uh, American comedy. And uh, you know, I was gonna move back there, um, but the rents have gone crazy, and now it's. It's not the same city. It's not, you know, uh, the, a lot of the ethnic people and artistic people have moved out. And right. there's yeah. a lot of, you know, young, uh, dorky white kids. Been <laughs> gentrified yeah. somewhat. It's interesting because I started comedy in San Francisco back in 98. And I got a call from Still Molly. Still I'm Still I'm seeing years later. I got a call to host my very first paid week at the Punchline. This would have been probably 2000, maybe 2001. I was hosting, and it was you and Mitch Hedberg co-headlining. Holy shit, yeah. that's and a I, killer. And I remember that weekend, and it was the, I, I mean, first of all, your paid week, first paid week at the Punchline, and then to work with you and Mitch as my very first mm. paid week was just unbelievable. That's really special, because Hedberg and I, that was 98, 99 when I was living in New York, and Hedberg was my best friend at the time. And so he and I were both headlining, 
and we both took less money to work together. And we only did it, we did it in, in Houston at the Laugh Stop. We did it there twice. And then Jeff Wills, who booked the punchline at the time, said, hey, fellas, you know, what about us? Uh, you know, so we booked it there. And then um, I think we did one other one, I think the Atlanta punchline. So we did, we only, we did like four or five of those weeks together just because we were, you Your know, buns. such great friends. Yeah. And, and we took less money to do it. It's amazing. Like, you can still go online. You know, you, you go to Facebook or whatever or Twitter, and you'll just scroll down your feed. And at least, like, once every two weeks, there will still be, like, a meme of Hedberg and a joke. Mm. Why do you feel, because you're, you're, you're so tight with him, why do you feel like he still resonates today? I, you know, it's, it's they're like far side cartoons. Yeah. They're, they're timeless. Yeah. And the thing about Hedberg, you know, he felt strongly about political shit and things that were going on in the world, mm -hmm. but he never mentioned it in his comedy. He never talked about sex or politics. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've, I've met old, old women and kids that can quote Hedberg lines. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know, it's like something that you, sh you share with people. And, uh, you know, it's funny because, like, you know, he and I were, like, partying so hard. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, well, whatever. We'll leave it, delete that <laughs> message. Um, you know, he would, I'd see him and then he'd have, like, a new five minutes. I'm like, you know, hey, man, you know, when we were doing coke with those black guys by the Holland Tunnel... When did you have time to write a <laughs> Cinnabon uh, incense bit? Yeah, you know I've been we've been together for the last the seventy-two time, yeah. hours, and I, I, I don't know where you where these five minutes popped up. <laughs> right, yeah, and they were amazing. good. A good five minutes. Brilliant. Yeah, that was the crazy thing. I remember working with him once at the comic strip. He came through New York City one time, and. The thing I took away from him was, obviously, he's a great comic, but what a sweet, like, almost like a gentle soul he was to, at least to me, offstage, he couldn't have been sweeter. And here you are thinking, oh, God, this guy, he's got that half-hour comedy set. Everybody's talking about it at the time. He's just kind of taken off, and everybody was blown away. And I was just like, wow, what a nice guy to get to say that on top of the fact that he's so talented. Because... We Almost to a fault because, like, we'd be doing those shows together, and then, like, guys would drive in from all over the country, five or six guys. Hey, you know, Hedberg told me I could do five minutes on the show. And, yeah. You know, it's just all these guys would sh show up. Yeah. Out of nowhere. They got nowhere to stay. They got no money. And, uh, I mean, Hedberg was a really sweet guy like that. And for I guarantee for years, their opening, their their line as they introduced was, this guy opened for Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, of yeah. course. Like, All right, buddy. Of course. <laughs> is, it, is it frustrating for you, Tom, to kind of see, like, how things have shifted? Because you said all you wanted to be was a great stand-up, right? So that's all you wanted to do. So is it frustrating now, like, because you put in so much work and you've just busted your ass on the road to be just this great comic, and now you see so many people that all they do is they post up some stupid YouTube video and they feel that they're ready to feature a headline on the road and all of a sudden a five-minute clip gets them a development deal and so many people who are getting specials now just have no idea what the hell they're doing. I mean, is that frustrating for somebody at your level? Why would that bother me? I mean, if you don't have um, a quality act or personality, you're not going to... I mean, that's... The business and the world we live in today. I post 
stupid videos once a week, and I put out a podcast, and uh, you know, I'm I'm tweeting and posting stuff as much as possible on Facebook. I mean, that's just part of the business now. Gary doesn't really but, understand. Uh, the as, 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 as far as um, young guys with minimal talent, I mean, that's always been an element of uh, of the business. But so that's that, that's that was us. <laughs> years ago where we yeah. were the guy with five minutes and i try and never get mad at like young guys who are getting tv stuff because i was the young good-looking guy who got all the tv stuff once upon a time yeah and i remember the older bitter comedians being a dick to me and yeah. it was just the fact that you know i was getting all this television stuff and i knew it and i i swore to myself then i'm never going to be that guy yeah i'm never going to be the guy who's like oh look at the young guy getting all the tv shit but no, don't, hey, but write better jokes, asshole. Yeah, but Tom, you know, and then feel... like you know, I never wanted to live in Los Angeles. Um, like I said, San Francisco went crazy. So, uh, and my wife loves Los Angeles, which is why we moved back here. And uh, it, it turns out to be the greatest thing I've ever done. I did not realize how many people love me. And yeah. I get like I'm doing as many sets as I wanted. The comedy store and the improv. And life here is fantastic. There's like every ethnicity from the world. There's every kind of ethnic food. Uh, I have been all over Asia and Europe and all over the world. Uh, I I know, you know, what specific Korean food I like. Right. Uh, I, I know what specific, you know, Thai, Indian, anything. And uh, Los Angeles is a phenomenal city. I always thought it was full of shallow phony show business assholes because i never put much um investment into the place but now i'm living here and it's fantastic and you know uh, like i said you know you're seeing some young guy with no jokes going on stage uh blowing going 10 minutes over his time uh, those people don't last in the business right yeah you don't see him a year from now so i mean uh, I'm, I'm not bothered in the least to answer your question it's interesting because aren't you going to ask me what stupid videos I put out once a week? No, I was going to ask knowledge you. nuggets. <laughs> I was going to. I watch them. They're on my Facebook. No, Tom, I wanted to ask you. And they're awesome. You. By the way, he does it in front of his. I've been to his place. I did his. You do it in front of. The, you have a wall of books. I mean, you are one of the few comedians I know that actually like reads and is mm. is intellectual. What is what is the book that you would recommend to any comic that is hitting the road, bored out of his mind? Shantaram. Gregory David Roberts. I'd put that up. My uh, favorite book of all time. Uh, oh, really? Joel actually the, purchased it for me. It's on my bookshelf. And the other time I saw it was at your was at your place. And oh, I really? Did I tell yeah. you about that book, Joel? Um, no, or I had, had, you, had we had both read it at this um, similar time. We were talking because we we worked a week together in Sydney at the comedy store years yeah. ago, and I remember we were talking about it backstage a lot. And, and you were great. Like th that was to to work with you that week was really something. Like you, awesome. You, like and and the other comics coming, like hearing about you coming to see you was, was fantastic. The Sydney Comedy Store is one of my favorite clubs on the yeah, planet. That Absolutely was a great, loved that, that place. That was a great time. Yeah. Uh, Shantaram, this guy, he had he had studied to be a, a he wanted to be a writer, a and, philosophy uh, student. A, a philosophy yeah. student. He he's from Melbourne, Australia. He gets addicted to heroin, starts doing petty crimes, uh, does something really stupid, ends up in prison in Melbourne, escapes, and somehow gets to uh, Mumbai, India, and then his his money runs out, and then he lives in the slums, and then with his Boy Scout uh, 
medical uh, knowledge, he starts being the, the doctor of the slums. So he kind of gets this redemption of from being a dirtbag, scumbag criminal mm. to being the doctor of the slums and seeing these people who are so poor who have nothing but, you know, love and, and family is the currency. But then he gets involved with the Indian mafia and he's dealing in stolen passports. And they're also making pornography and selling drugs, but he's only in the passport game. Mm-hmm. And then somehow he goes to Afghanistan, but it's when Russia is still there. And he gets involved in the, the arms dealing. And then he gets thrown into prison in India. And the opening paragraph of that book it says I never knew what freedom meant until I was hanging upside down in an Indian prison being beaten on the feet with the club mm-hmm. Jesus Christ so and again it's like nine, 980 pages and it's, it's a monumental read but when he, when he was in jail he was writing it and he had the manuscript and the prison guard came in and this is after like years of working on this book took the manuscript and destroyed it <gasps> oh wow and he he then he then went to um, ask for a meeting with the warden and, and the prison guard. And he said to the prison guard, he goes, you've been watching me for years, working on this, writing this book. And he said, you know, what you did was a terrible thing, but I just want you to know that I forgive you because at whatever point you're in your in your life at the moment to have done something like that, and must, you must be really hurting. So just know that I forgive you. Gary, and, I and, forgive and, you. Wow. <laughs> and so <laughs> he, years later, he's at a book signing and he looks up and he sees this guy weeping in front of him holding the book and it's the prison guard from years before wow and and gregory david roberts says uh, you know what am i going to do so i just gave up i just walked up to him gave him a hug and said don't worry it made for a better rewrite wow i did not know yeah, that thanks yeah. joel yeah. tom could you tell us one of my favorite jokes of yours the louis anderson story oh no i'm not going to tell that on air i might get back to him <laughs> No, um, <laughs> no, it, it'll be get back to him. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> no, I'll just say, uh, uh, Louis, Louis was very fond of me when I met him when I was very young. Uh, the other, uh, I'd say the, the other two greatest books are Jack Kerouac on the road and yeah. Voltaire's Candide. Yeah. Why? why? <laughs> I'm still laughing about the plan. <laughs> right. What is what is a read you have right now that you are knee deep in? I'm reading the comedians now. Uh, I forget what side of I, I the name of the author uh, escapes me, but um, Mark Maron gave it to me. Oh, okay. And um, it star- It's it's the history of of comedy starting with uh, vaudeville, oh, and nice. uh, it, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. Oh my God, it's great. Yeah, that's a that's a great book. Uh, I really li- love that Judd Apatow book, uh, "Sick in the Head," that he put out last year. Okay. Where it's all these different interviews with comedians. I highly recommend that, re- recommend that for comedians. But uh, the book, "The Comedians," the comedians. Is what I'm Did it just come out recently, or? I think uh, yeah, six months ago or a year ago. Okay. <clears throat> well, as we near the finish line, Gary, any last questions well, for Mr. Rhodes? I, yeah. Well, because I know you had a few. Uh, no, well, I was just going to say, I mean, yeah. here is, I mean, I look at your passport just traveling all over the country, and it's so funny because I grew up in Michigan, and I see all of my friends that have these regular, grueling, standard nine-to-five jobs, and I just look at, like, what a great gig you've had. I mean, just all over the place, gotten to do a sitcom, gotten to travel, had your own talk show. What what, what do you still want to do? What's out there that you haven't done that's still on your bucket list that you want to cross off? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> excuse me. I uh, just I finished a book. I've uh, I've been writing my own book for four nice. years, and I just finished. 
the first draft of it. So I just started back from the beginning to go through it and cut the fat off of it and uh, inject any stories I may have forgotten. Uh, but it's my life as a comedian traveling the world. Um, you know, I was maced in Paris. Uh, I almost drowned in Thailand. Uh, I had my own late night talk show in Amsterdam. I, I've, I've had a really full life, you know. Um, you know, fortunately, I, I, I kept diaries, like when I had the sitcom and I had the late night talk show in Amsterdam. So uh, it, it's it's all my greatest stories. The Louis Anderson story is in there. And if he wants to hear that story, he can buy the book. <laughs> it's such um, a great story. Do you know the yeah. story, Steve? Oh, yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. So uh, I have a, uh, a dramedy scripted idea that I would like to do based on a period of my life um, from the book. Um, you know, uh, I've had a major transformation in my life. You know, my father was killed by a drunk driver in 2009. My little sister died of breast cancer in 2011. Heavy drinker, party in my whole life. Uh, in two January 1st, 2014, I busted my head open in Philadelphia, if you can see this scar right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I haven't drank or done hard drugs since then. And uh, life has never been better. Wow. So, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've got a lot of ideas. I'm, I'm thrilled to be alive. I've already had a phenomenal life. And uh, I have a very good feeling something uh, even better is ahead of me. Wow. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Um, now, your podcast, Knowledge Nuggets, all that stuff, where can people find you? TomRhodes.net. Yeah. You can find everything. Uh, my knowledge nuggets I put out every Friday. They're great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, you know, just little uh, factual pieces of information that people should know about. Awesome. Well, I, again, I cannot thank you enough for joining us today. You know I love you to death, I love Steve. you. And, and when you said earlier, you go, you know, it's nice to be here in Los Angeles and people like me. It's true because you're one of the guys, like when I see you at the store, I light up. I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm going to have a great 10 minutes before I go on stage because I get to hang with somebody yeah. who's <laughs> not an asshole at the comedy store. So not that all comics are, but some comics is a little heavy sometimes, you know, but I know I get to have a nice conversation with you and hang out. So always a pleasure, and thank you for taking the time to be here with us today. Oh, love and respect to you, my brother. Osborne, do you have anything to say? Um, no, it's been a pleasure. This has been great to hang out with Tom and, and hang out with you guys, you know. This has been, uh, yeah, you're right. it's been a real pleasure. Mm -hmm. You're right about that. <laughs> Uh, all things comedy. Yeah. TomRhodes.net. All the information's there. Where can they find you? Canon Comedy. <laughs> sure. Uh, Joel? Yeah, JoelOsborne.com. Here we go. At Steve Byrne Live. We love you. Thanks for listening. <clears throat> yeah, that was great. That's cool, man. I didn't know that story about.